0: Hi, I'm Kyle and I'm Trevor and uh, welcome to catching up on cinema Uh, if you're not familiar with the show catching up on cinema is a podcast wherein Kyle and I take turns introducing one another to movies uh, and in this way we help one another to catch up on our cinema Uh, this month July 2019 uh, has been our month of movies about making movies Uh, so for the most part we've been covering documentaries about making movies um, and so for the final week in the month of July, uh, not going to lie, going to be straight forward with you all. Uh, this episode was cobbled together on the quick <laughs> because I miscalculated and did not realize that there are in fact five Tuesdays in July this year. Um, Today, we're going to be covering a documentary by the name of The Shark is Still Working, The Impact and Legacy of Jaws, directed by Eric Hollander, and uh, I believe released in the year 2012, though I think it was being assembled for quite some time.
1: I think it started Uh, about 2007, from what I could gather. Yeah, uh,
0: I know it, I think it was released maybe in, in, like, on TV or in festivals early on, but then... Like some additional material came into play, and they took it back to the drawing board and did like a George Lucas special edition with it or something. But officially, the release date list is listed as 2012. Uh, so Jaws is a, a classic <laughs> film. Have you heard of it? <laughs>
1: Yeah, maybe. Have, have you heard, you heard of, of this, this little, movie, Jaws? There's a little gem from the yeah. 1970s by a little... Yeah, uh, it's directed
0: by a, a Stefan Spielberger, <laughs> uh, maybe a little-known director.
1: <laughs> Ready Player One, have you heard of him? Yeah.
0: Yeah, you know, known for such classics as Ready Player One. The Terminal. he's yeah, um,
1: got some good ones under his belt.
0: Yeah, the
1: best movies. The
0: best movies. Mm. Munich, oh my
1: God. I didn't know he did <laughs> Munich. That That actually changes things for me because I didn't know he did Munich, so. Munich yeah. is an aggressive film. Like, like,
0: I mean, honestly, Munich is one of those super controversial but mainstream films that kind of got swept under the rug. Because like when you think about what that is about, holy
1: shit that is aggressive. <laughs> I I've heard good things about it, but I have not seen it.
0: Uh, it's not a bad movie, but when you actually think about what is happening and the fact that this was real, it's like, whoa, these aren't good people. Mm. No one in this no one involved in this story is a good person. This is just malicious, awful violence. <laughs> um yeah jaws i don't know about you kyle i guess we should get into that up front um jaws for me is one of the big ones um it's a huge it's a massively important movie to me um i used to watch it constantly on like tnt or tbs because it was on all the time uh and this was at a point in my life i was pretty young um when i you know being able to watch a movie with my dad was something that struck me as being like really important because he wasn't terribly interested in a lot of the things that (laughs) I was interested in. Yeah, don't say. (laughs) Like, (laughs) yeah, like, you know, Transformers the movie, he could care less about that. (laughs) Hey Arnold though. Hey Arnold on Nickelodeon, I think reminded him of his neighborhood. So he would actually watch that with me. Um, but Jaws, uh, he actually was a commercial fisherman at some point. So he, he'd been on the, he'd been on the ocean and, uh, jaws is he thought it was an awesome movie i believe he saw it in theaters when it when it was brand new and uh, he loved it and so he would watch it with me and because of that like it it made it, it amplified the importance of the film in my mind it's like oh wow this is this movie's important to dad so therefore it should be important to me too and so like i kind of became obsessed for, with it for a while and i think a lot of people in our relative age range had the same thing or similar circumstances because i feel like shark week like the popularity of that exploded as a result of the repeated screenings of the movie on cable and stuff
1: well i think that everybody should i think hold dear at least one spielberg movie so like from one degree or another like he's made a lot of iconic films um mine would be jurassic uh, (laughs) mine would be jurassic park that would be the one that i've that I've seen uh, dozens of times. If it was on TV, I'm going to stop and watch it. Uh, I thought about watching it yesterday, actually. Um, was it raining, Kyle? <laughs> no, but it, that does get you. See, the problem is, is when it rains here, my Wi-Fi goes out, and I have uh, Jurassic oh. Park on Amazon, I know. Um, but no, It should be Schindler's List. That's the one that everybody should hold dear. But when, no, we picked Jaws in <laughs> Jurassic Park. Uh, by the way, Trevor still hasn't seen that. I know I'm a terrible person. Okay, just make. Sure and I actually those. have, I actually have
0: Jewish in my family, <laughs> so
1: I'm like a doubly bad person. Let me. Know. Um, um. So actually, <laughs> uh, so Jaws, uh, for me, I saw when I was young, and it was interesting. They bring it up in this movie about how, when this movie came out, um, in this documentary, they they mentioned that when Jaws came out, people were afraid to go in the water. I am actually one of those people. Um, I was totally fine swimming in the ocean and I saw Jaws and to this day, I will swim, I will will sit in the water for about five minutes and then I get out. And then when I get my courage back up, I'll go back in for about five minutes. Hip deep. I'm not, I'm not, I don't go chest deep. I go hip deep, the deepest. (laughs) And then I get back out again. So I'm actually one of those people that was scared by this movie.
0: Yeah, uh, I definitely felt that too. Cause um, I've mentioned it several times on the show. Like, uh, aquatic monster movies are, are my jam. That's like my favorite thing. And like forever Like if I if ever I hear about a sea monster movie of some sort on the horizon, which I haven't in many years now, <laughs> except for like the Sharknado bullshit, which I couldn't care less about. Uh, my ears perk up. And uh, I remember going to visit my friend at like his lake cabin with his parents, and uh, we'd be swimming out there. And yeah, I'd have a very similar reaction like, like what you just described. Although, to be honest, mine was a little bit more irrational because I was afraid of like a giant squid or something. Hmm. Which obviously is not going to come out of a lake, nor nor is it ever going
1: to come to, you know, the shallows. I'm going to send you a video when we're done here. There's a guy on a paddleboard being attacked by a giant squid. So there you go. You can keep it. What? That. Yep. I will, what? I will send it to Mind you. Mind-blowing. I will send that to you when we are done. I okay, just saw. I do that. Sir. I just saw it this morning.
0: <laughs> Speaking of which, um, the Shallows. Kyle, have you seen that?
1: No, and I've had. Uh, I've seen the end of uh, uh, Dark. I think it's is it Dark Water. I can't think. Oh, open water, whatever it is, where the people are snorkeling or scuba diving, and the boat leaves them, and then there's sharks. Uh, I think water. it's open water. Open yeah. water. I saw the end of that, and there's a couple of uh, little clips that freaked me out. Uh, but no, I haven't seen The Shallows. Is that uh, any good? Um, it's it's like Aquaman, good. <laughs>
2: right. Explain. Um,
0: yeah. <laughs> what I mean is, it's it's very stupid, okay. but it's well made on a technical level. And if you can turn, if you can check your brain at the door, you will have a very good time. Okay. I can do that. Um, it's it's. It's a very solid thriller that just happens to involve a shark. I'm Blake Lively.
1: I watch horror movies, dude. I'm
0: used to checking it at the door. Glad to hear it, because I think that's a very important tool to keep in your your toolkit, because some people can't do that, and it makes movies suck for them all the time. Mm. It's like,
1: you know what, man? Maybe
0: you should find a different medium, man. Like Maybe you should stick to books, man.
1: Uh, (laughs) One thing about this documentary I wanted to ask you about... Did the soundtrack to this thing drive you nuts? Because yeah, was, I actually wrote in my notes, music is too loud. I didn't have to, <laughs> I did even have to write it down. It was just driving me nuts the whole time. I'm like, is this, are going to do this the whole no, time? Uh, second paragraph, music is too loud. <laughs> well so there's a, what we were talking about before we started recording was that we believe that there is probably, I haven't seen it, a much better documentary uh, about the making of Jaws, um, which yeah, we yeah. kind of thought that this documentary was going to be. We thought it would be, you know, kind of, oh, what did Spielberg go through? What were the, the tensions between Robert Shaw and Richard Dreyfus? And no, not, not so much. We, we touched on that just a little bit here and there.
0: Yeah, um, I think. I, like I said, I wanted to be kind of honest and upfront uh, about this episode. Um, this is kind of like a half abortion of an episode in some ways. Because, uh, <laughs> um, I mean, if you if you look at the other episodes we did this month, uh, there's a consistent theme of them being about the filmmaking process. Like, chiefly about the making of a product. Mm-hmm. Um, this one's more like I described it to you with a hand gesture. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this feels this feels like a, a self-congratulatory like victory lap of a documentary. It's not so much going into the details of what went, like the blood, sweat, and tears that went into ma- the making of the film. It's more just like, yeah, we did it. Jaws is awesome. It's like I I know that. We nope. all know that. It's literally <laughs> Jaws
1: is Awesome, the documentary. Like, that's what this is about. Yeah, it, it may as well just be
0: called Jaws is Awesome, or Jawsome, the documentary. Jawsome, <laughs> Jawsome <man>. the film. <laughs> Although they would have to pay rights to Mattel or, or, Trade Master, or Trendmasters or whoever owns the Street Sharks.
1: Well, it's even funny because they, they actually get Richard Dreyfuss and Roy, uh, Roy Scheider, I think even Steven Spielberg for this one. Uh, but they yeah. also... He also shows clips from the documentary where they interview Richard Dreyfus Roy Scheider. And was like, it's just funny because they're like, "We got to talk about this shit again." What? What? What else do you need <laughs> to know? Like, we already told you about it. But I don't know what the the I don't know what the director's point was with this. Um, this was also on the the Blu-ray that you have. I don't know if it was just supposed to be added on.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know exactly, but yeah, the the way that we ended up screening this movie is I own the Blu-ray of Jaws, and I, I got it to Kyle through non-traditional means. Yes, he um, mailed it to me, and I just mailed it back yes, to him after I finished it. Yes, he did. He paid full postage, he tipped the mailman and everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the this documentary is, not, of course, not the first film. Uh, done about jaws um they actually reference in fact they interview some of the people who made uh, a previous one um apparently it was from 1997 called in the teeth of jaws and it was produced for the laser disc of Mm. jaws um i have a feeling that that's a superior product um there's a lot more archival footage in that of like behind the scenes of of getting bruce the shark to function properly and just going into the nitty-gritty of of what went into the process of making this film because it's well known that that jaws was a troubled production it's it's well documented however that isn't so much stressed in this documentary and it's a little bit frustrating because of that because i feel like you and i maybe knew more about the movie going in and maybe we,
1: we are both in fact dumber now that we've seen this movie. yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i'm like yeah i knew that um, like, oh no way it had a small budget it made a ton of money no shit like I didn't. Yeah, no shit. Um, oh yeah, so yeah, yeah, it skyrocketed uh, Spielberg's career. No way, really. Oh, and I think I hate. I think I hate Richard Dreyfus. I I I think I just hate him. I don't know what it is about him, but seeing him in real life, just uh-huh. he gets under my skin. I I get why Robert Shaw was picking on him. Like I totally get it.
0: I do, too. Um, it's funny, because I, I actually adore Richard Dreyfuss as an actor. Mm. Um, but, yeah, in interviews, there's something about him that he's he's maybe a little too playful or something. Where it's like, he, stop acting. He's dick. on. <laughs> he
1: feels on. Yeah. yeah.
0: He, he does feel on, because he's not very candid. It feels like he's being very selective as to what anecdotes he shares, because... Everyone else is talking about how awful the thing was, and he's just, like, talking about how awesome it was. It's like, <laughs> come on, man. <laughs> like, like, like everybody knows that Robert Shaw pretty much, like, came this close to beating your ass every day. <laughs> like, tell us about
1: that. Yeah, tell us about That's what I wanted to hear about. I'm like, all right, what did you say to Robert Shaw to piss him off? But I, I think it's one of those things where Robert Shaw just didn't like his scent. He's just like, uh, I don't, I don't like this one.
0: All uh, right. I think it's a combination of two things. It's it's both that um, it's like I crap bigger than you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. To to yeah to quote Jack Palance. Um, But also I think maybe just from an acting standpoint, maybe he thought it would lend something to both of their performances. I thought because in character they both they're supposed to have that relationship.
1: And yeah, even uh, Spielberg says in the in the film or in the documentary that that. That should be accredited to the author of the book because that is the main. Uh, that's the main thing in the book is is the, uh, is the tension between the the crew basically. Um, I could yeah. I could see I don't I don't know much about Robert Shaw if he was that insightful as an actor to like I don't know I I he was really hitting the booze pretty hard at this point like he's like lifelong yeah. alcoholism. Um, I know he was a very hard man. Um, but
0: that's that's it. I, I haven't done much research into his filmography or, or his character as a person. So, yeah, it could just have been him being a bully. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, no. But, yeah, um, we're probably not going to go point by point no. with this episode like we tend to do because, honestly, it, it's it's just a victory lap. Yeah. Um, some people were critical of uh, the first Avengers movie for that same reason and that a lot of it felt like... like the producers or the director kind of like jerking themselves off and just being like we hey folks we did it we made all the money <laughs>
1: <laughs> and we're gonna continue to make all the money you're gonna make all the money the Lion King's making all the money right now um, let's see and here. yet I don't hear much good about it to be I, honest <laughs> Nope, nah, nope, I haven't heard much. Did you see the the animated one? The animated one from like the 90s? Yeah, it's the same fucking of thing. Course, yeah. So you've seen it. So it doesn't it's matter. It's the same
0: fucking th- It's the same fucking thing but um with more restrictions put on it because you know, in the realm of 2D hand-drawn animation, it's like, "Hey, if we want to do something crazy and you know, just have a a random light source appear from behind Uncle Scar and like have Nazi goose stepping hyenas and stuff appear with green ethereal lighting. We could do that. You know, nobody question that. But if you have photorealistic CGI and then you start doing crazy shit like that, like your computer, yeah. the actual computers animating that will be like, "Uh uh uh. No, you can't do Those that. physics don't make sense." <laughs> like
1: is, the way that light's hitting that fur doesn't make sense. <laughs> who just is there a scar in this new Lion King movie? Oh yeah, it's a uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor. Oh okay. Okay, that's fine.
0: And uh, I've I've heard a sample of his uh his song. It's Not Be Prepared, which is <laughs> basically one of the best <laughs> it's the best Disney songs ever. Uh-huh. Correct. Um, it's right up there with Gaston. Oh, I, know <laughs> by, I know it word for word, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> it's amazing. It's it's I'm, even even though Jeremy Irons was unable to complete the song, um was it Jim Cummings, Disney's pitch? <laughs> he's, he does, he does, he does like all, he did like all of the Disney voices uh, in the nineties. He
1: he did all of them. Well, maybe and, back um, when Disney th- had bitches, now they have something far more painful than that. Uh, I mean, Tim Allen is still like their
0: beta bitch. Like, yeah. <laughs> like he's not even like he's not even number one concubine. He's
1: like number four concubine at this point. I think they're more powerful than Tom Hanks now. Like they could they could like just completely shit-can him and embarrass him. Like, no, 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 fuck you, Tom Hanks. We're done with you, you piece of shit. They're that powerful that they could still turn a profit after that. They, they, they haven't done that, but they, they have that kind of power. That's power you can't buy. That's power you can't <laughs> buy. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's 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 you know, steel
1: is strong, but flesh. So back to <laughs> Steven's power. Back to Steven Spielberg's uh Jaws. Um, I didn't know this was based on a book. That completely yeah. floored me. Uh <laughs> Really? You didn't know that? I did not know, like, even, the, even the, the author even the author was like this is my first novel. And I'm like, this isn't even going to be a good novel. It's about a fucking shark. And then he's like, Oh uh, yeah, they've got, they want the movie rights to this. Uh, they're going to make a movie out of this. I'm like, holy shit. Really? The book is huge. I, I can't believe the book was huge. That's shocking to me.
0: Um, actually it is kind of shocking because I have read the book. Um, I read a couple of Peter Benchley novels when I was younger, uh, mostly because I liked the movie yeah. and because in the nineties, again, because of, uh, because jaws was on tv constantly and because we got four movies out of it um, i think i think tv and movie producers were wise to that and were like huh so, Jaws is, like, always going to be a thing. It's like, yeah, oh, maybe we should try to cash in on that. Let's uh, let's do some TV movies and slap Peter Benchley's name on it. And uh, maybe his name will carry the same, like, cachet as, like, Steven Spielberg or Jaws. It's like, no, that's not how that works. I appreciate the effort, but no, that's not how that works. So, they made uh, uh, The Beast, which is one of my favorite TV movies. I actually own the DVD. Um, have you seen it, Kyle? I've. I I rented
1: that book when I was a kid.
0: Oh yeah, I read the book too. Uh, no,
1: no, I know it's about a giant squid. I checked it out. Uh, I didn't. I didn't finish reading it.
0: Um, the book. I think the TV movie is actually better than the book. And I, it's not great. It's just it's it's cozy. You know, it's like gotcha. solidly in the mid '90s, and like it just has that look and that feel. Field. It's like yeah, this is yeah. It's a good feeling. It's like a horn blanket. Yeah. <laughs> um. But the other one they made was Creature, which I think you've actually pointed out as something that you were curious about. Possibly. Um, it's Craig T. Nelson in the Caribbean, I think.
1: Oh, yes, yes, yes. There's a, there's, we looked at it, and there's like four movies named Creature, and that that was one of them. Yeah,
0: there's too many of them, one of which is like the, the rapey space alien. The, it's like an alien knockoff. That's yeah. bad. Don't watch that. I'm not going to watch that. Um, but the Craig T. Nelson one, based on the Peter Benchley novel, is not good. But Stan Winston, and again... I was the kid who Stan Winston's name carried some fucking weight. So like when I heard about this, I was like, but the shark?
3: Peter Benchley? Stan Winston? <laughs> yes.
0: I'm gonna stay up way too late to watch this two part TV movie. Oh, and I did, and it sucked, but oh my god, uh, Stan Winston's work on it. Uh he made a very convincing shark man. Interesting. Or shark Shark Dolphin Man. Shark um, Dolphin. It's the makeup effects, like the prosthetics and animatronics, solid work, um, but movie sucks. <laughs> it's, and it's a TV movie, so it's not even gory, which is like the biggest letdown. But yeah, uh, the the original novel Jaws, um, I barely remember it. The one detail that jumps out at me is it's very similar to the 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 whole controversy with uh, It. You know how you know if you Google It. I think the chances are probably 50-50 that the first article you get is going to be about the kids doing the circle jerk or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we, uh, we all know about that. Ev- every internet journalist worth their salt put out some sort of think piece about that as soon as the movie was announced, the remake. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, did you, you You totally didn't remember that they all slept with that girl in the tour. It's like yeah, I did remember that, but you know, it didn't really jump out at me as something terribly
1: worth remembering. We're gonna look back. The movie's not gonna have that, by the way. <laughs> I honestly think we're gonna look back at Stephen King's influence on you uni- and on U.S. culture, and we're just gonna be like, why? It he wasn't that great, guys. Misery is, I'd say, his best work, and. And it's fine. And it's the pretty sh- fucking good. Yeah. The yeah. Misery is good and sh- The Shining is good. And I'm like, other than
0: that, kind of- Shawshank also, right?
1: Yeah. I think Shawshank's probably. That's the number one. Everybody loves Shawshank. Shawshank is number yeah. one. Everybody loves Shawshank. Who did the Shawshank Green
0: Mile? Is Shawshank is. The Green Mile of Stephen King okay. also. Maybe um, it's his. Ju- Shawshank, though. It- Shawshank is like your Jurassic Park where if it comes on, you stop. Yeah. Like you watch a couple minutes. Um. But no, it'd be really funny, Kyle. Is if like the planet goes to shit, we end up in Wally World, and then the one Stephen King property <sighs> that survives and gets put in a, like a glass vacuum sealed vault is a uh, Maximum Overdrive. <laughs> or, like, keep one of his, like, or like the faceplate of the Green Goblin semi truck. <laughs> oh
2: God!
1: But just, just, yeah, yeah, I'm not a um, I'm not a Stephen King fan. Uh,
0: to me, he's he's cozy. He's not the best, but you know, if there's that, that warm, familiar feeling you get when you dive in his stuff that I can see why he's so popular, but the point I was trying to make about it though, was, um, jaws, uh, the one, the one thing that all the, the, uh, internet journalism think pieces would probably be about uh, is that, if I remember right, um, Dreyfus's character bangs, Mrs. Brody on the side. Oh, really? Uh, in the book? Yeah, there's an affair that goes on in the book. Yeah, we not didn't in the movies. I don't we did not need that in me. this movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, the characters in this movie are are lovely. They they really do make it in a lot of ways. And it it was it was nice seeing Dreyfus and Scheider. I, w- I really wish we had gotten more time more FaceTime with Scheider. Mm-hmm. Cuz I don't know much about him, but he everything I've ever seen him and he even the fucking Punisher, he he made me smile.
1: Like <laughs> you should watch all that jazz. That's the yeah. You told me about that before. Yeah, that that's when I just caught when I was younger. It was just like on Cinemax or HBO one day, and I just I didn't I'd never seen a musical. It was kind of odd for a musical too, and I just just kind of got sucked into it. Um, I'm like, that's the guy from Jaws, and that's the only reason why I watched it too is <laughs> because it was him. Uh, it was because it was Roy. No, uh,
0: what was it? The my dad had me watch The Marathon Man. Have you seen that?
1: Mm-mm. Is that um short guy uh, the Dustin j- Hoffman. J- oh, yeah, Dustin Hoffman. There we go. Jury, I, could, I short d- guy. He has
0: a w- has a weird scream. <laughs> yeah, he's he's screaming. He so has weird. a weird scream.
1: I, I don't know why but his uh or his uh min- Urban, not Urban Cowboy, that's fucking Woody Harrelson. Midnight Cowboy? No, Urban, <laughs> cow, urban Cowboy is John Travolta. There's another movie with... Yeah. Do you remember that uh, Kiefer Sutherland, Woody Harrelson movie where there are cowboys in the city? It was one of those 90s movie rental uh, box Whoa. covers. No, that's way over my head. Ooh, I'll show you. I'll show you the cover for that one. I'm sorry, we're getting. I'm getting lost here. Um,
0: God, there's nothing to get lost in, Kyle. Well, I just wanted to <laughs> we're point, just talking. i just wanted
1: to point out <laughs> some of the things I didn't know. Um, I didn't realize that this oh, movie okay. was. Um, I mean, I did learn some things from this. Um, I didn't know that Steven Spielberg was 27 when he uh, did Jaws. <laughs> which is insane because <laughs> uh, he looks like a 38-year-old man <laughs> when you see him shooting this movie. Um, it's the hair, I think. It's the hair. Well, it, his his nose, too. He just has a very, like, I don't know, he just looks older. It makes him look more distinguished. It's, um,
0: his nose was... Already, like, well-defined. Mm-hmm. He had the kind of nose that's, like, you, you expect you to grow into that, like, later in life. Mm-hmm. But it's like, no, that that's, that's, that's solidly where it's going to be until the day he dies. <laughs> it's, it's calcified.
1: <laughs> I, I was kind of surprised that he had so much clout that he managed to convince the studio to shoot on the ocean. He's, like, he's mm-hmm. a... The producer was like, no, this guy's going to be the greatest ever. And they're like... Um, He's like, no, no, no. We're gonna shoot on the ocean. I'm a 27 year old director. Remember that good movie I made? Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it. What never, what's never been done before. I'm gonna actually shoot on the ocean. And um, I didn't realize that the limitations from this movie were what made it really good. Uh, the shark never working made them, like, made them improvise.
0: Yeah, it's a maybe the most famous example of that, um, where limitations. The limitations imposed on them were what forced them to get creative with their editing and their shooting, and even the even the style of the acting performances. Because because of all that downtime, they they were forced to do a lot of the land scenes out of order, like when they weren't intending to do them, and then tons of the movie ended up being improvised as a result. Um, and I I feel like that's that's an important thing to keep in the back of your mind, like doing any art honestly is that sometimes having fewer resources forces you to flex certain muscles that you didn't realize you ought to and it results in a maybe a better product um that's for the longest time that's been like a huge criticism of like ineffectual visual effects i guess where it's like clearly this was Clearly, we just threw CGI at something because we figured it would just work itself out without yeah. without doing what we did for, like, say, Jurassic Park. And we, we did at least a year's worth of just prep work figuring out how to get this talk- technology to work the way we needed it to. Um, as opposed to just shooting stuff and saying, ah, we'll fix it in post. <laughs> Which can be done, but it doesn't make your
1: animators happy, that's for sure. <laughs> Um, I was going to mention, uh, the advertising. One of the guy, uh, one of the people in here is like the term, they think the term blockbuster came just from Jaws itself. And I'm like, no, I believe it came from King Kong. Uh, but I get where you're going with this. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, Percy Rodriguez. Oh, funny. I, I'm sorry to derail you for a second, but a
0: just funny note is that, what was it? Dino De Laurentiis was obsessed with Jaws. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he got a hold of the King Kong property, and that was always his objective. Is he's like, I'm gonna do that, but with a giant monkey. <laughs> and I'm gonna. It's like uh, it didn't work out the way he wanted it to the first time. Dino's like, Well, we're gonna. We're going to do it again <laughs> in the 80s, and it'll be better, because we'll have that Linda Hamilton lady, and the ape will have a robot heart this time, and there'll be a, a lady monkey with lady monkey tents,
1: <laughs> and it'll have that one guy from Beverly Hills Cop, and he'll get stepped on. Is there an 80s King Kong movie with Linda Hamilton? What? Kyle I, I did not know this For shame, Kyle um, Listen,
0: Yes, it's called so- King Kong
1: Lives I'm sorry, Trevor I've only seen the original King Kong For a film class that I had to take About horror movies So I haven't seen any of the later adaptations Other than Peter Jackson's King Peter Kong Jackson's Peter Jackson Jackson's King's King Kong, Kong. I watched cinema It's called Catching Up <laughs> on Cinema <laughs> Oh no! I, don't I didn't hobnob with you snobs. <laughs> no, if I'm go, if usually if I go 80s, I'm going sci-fi, sci-fi horror stuff. Ah, so I that makes it, sense. It it, did, it just kind of went under the radar there. I think Linda Hamilton would agree with you too. <laughs> She's like, <laughs>
3: why the fuck did I do that gorilla movie? <laughs>
1: Waiting for you to get back from dinner, this close to watching Terminator, the Terminator. Like, <laughs> just that close. Instead, I watched uh dun, 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 dun. Ty West, the Innkeepers. Ugh. That's another. That's a conversation the for the another day. The fuck
3: is day. that, Ty what,
1: West? What is that? I'll tell you about it later. Um,
0: yeah, you tell me about that later. But yeah, there is a '80s King Kong movie called King Kong Lives. Um, I was considering putting it on the list uh, because I told you I wanted you to watch a '80s Godzilla movie, mm-hmm. and Godzilla vs. King Kong is gonna happen in like 2020. So I figured we could do like, I don't know, the. Something, like, having to do with, like, the modern era King Kong and the modern era Godzilla. Modern being, like, 70s and 80s. <laughs> I feel like... oh um, uh, yeah, King Kong lives is, is not good.
1: If I feel like if I was to give you, a, like, a Godzilla month, or you get to pick four Godzilla movies for me to watch and we could discuss in a podcast format, I feel like your nose would bleed trying to figure out which ones you would want Oh, to no, I would have a stroke
0: right then and there. Like, <laughs> just... just but um yeah i mean there's that what that famous charlie day photo from uh it's always sunny with him with the pegboard or whatever with the it's it's like him it's like him looking for conspiracies or something i know this how can you not know this i've never even seen the fucking show
1: (laughs) okay so there's a lot going on with that show i don't remember that specifically (laughs) but it, it, it will come to me um okay well it's it's a famous picture of
0: him with a bunch of cards like pinned to a board and there's a bunch of like like wires or like cords like connecting (laughs) all the different (laughs)
2: yeah
0: and he's freaking out because he's looking for conspiracies or something.
1: I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about now. It's going to take me a minute. <laughs> that is when um, they Mac and uh, Charlie, uh, so that they can get health insurance, start working in the mailroom of a company. And uh, Charlie thinks he's uncovered a conspiracy about this person called Pepe Silva. Pepe Silva. Pepe Silva. He's everywhere. I looked in the records, and there's no Pepe Silva. And Mac explains to him, he's like, listen, Charlie... He has everybody's mail, and he's like, "Listen, not only do all these people exist that you're talking about, like like Carol, like wherever you got, got her letter from, but everybody's looking for their mail, and it's all they can talk about." Charlie <laughs> lost his mind. Um, the other thing that somebody that somebody just pointed out on Reddit a few months ago was that this Pepe Silva, um, Charlie's illiterate; he can't read. Pepe Silva is him mispronouncing Pennsylvania. Because it's Philadelphia. <laughs> oh. So he's like, Pepe Silva, Pepe Silva. Everybody's Pepe oh, Silva. No. <laughs> so oh, it, no. So it has layers, Trevor. That's how great that show <laughs> is. It has layers. I actually just watched yeah, a clip I from just... the season 13. I haven't even seen the last couple of seasons. I watched a clip from the season 13. I was laughing my ass off. I can't wait to watch <laughs> the rest of the scenes I haven't even got to. But it's on Hulu. Yeah, and you I don't, better get to it. I don't have the upgraded Hulu and I have to watch commercials, so until I get it upgraded, I'm not going to get caught up on them. Um, okay, well, no. you, you better get to it whenever you can. But
0: the point I was trying to make with that reference, that thank you for providing the background on. Anytime. Because um, I
1: never knew that. I'll explain anything from um, It's Always Sunny in is Philadelphia it, anytime you want. Anytime.
0: And I will let you do that anytime you want, because it's fun to listen to. <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> you, your, your eyes light up. Um, but the point I was trying to make is that if you gave me four episodes, like if if you made me pick four Godzilla movies, that would be my process. It's like, it'd be very in depth. It'd be very involved, and I'd be freaking the fuck out up until the the minute we start recording.
1: That's like you could honestly just <laughs> like, do but, but Godzilla versus the Sea Monster and
0: and, and Ghidorah the three headed
1: monster and uh, the
0: Heisei! and the Showa and, and the Millennium Era. Blah, blah,
1: blah, blah, blah. I mean, honestly, you could have your own side. We could have our own side feature called the Godzilla Cast. Like it's just us doing it, we have to do a side thing, basically. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's how much Godzilla God. cast. The Godzilla cast, because that's how many Godzilla movies there are. um I wanted to mention uh, Percy Rodriguez. Um, for those of you listening, we you don't know who Percy yeah. Rodriguez, you've heard him. You know him. He did the yeah. trailers for yeah. most movie, movie trailers in the 60s and 70s, I would assume. Uh, well, at least the 70s and 80s, maybe not the 60s. Uh, he might have been too young, and his voice hadn't quite gotten to that that deep, like deeper than Billy D. Williams deep. Um, but I liked his take on <laughs> I like his take on doing the advertising for the movie. Um, I don't know how much they spent on advertising for it, but it seemed like they did. They put in quite a bit, quite an effort. Um, but he he yeah. he suggested that uh, he do like a, a deep ominous tone as opposed to like Jaws. Uh, <laughs> like, he, uh, he has this funny line where he's just like um he's like i think my voice was responsible for people being afraid of going into the water because like the advertising was really good for this movie apparently for jaws for this movie for jaws apparently and uh, i just like how he got a kick out of that how he got a kick out of that
0: no no um i actually took note of that for sure because that was that was fun for me um uh, because I, I think i mentioned it before on the air um i used to have a vhs tape called fantastic dinosaurs of the movies it was this wonderful tape that it's just like an hour of nothing but trailers for like monster movies from the 50s through the 70s and just just the novelty of seeing the the different style of trailer because they used to like show you the whole fucking movie yeah, <laughs> like yeah <laughs> They used to show you the whole movie, and then they like there was a lot of repetition where they'd be like "Reptilicus, Reptilicus,
1: Reptilicus." Somebody <laughs> pointed that out about Steven Seagal's like contemporary Steven Seagal trailers. They show it's like two and a half minutes long. There's like an orchestra playing over, it, and it's like the they literally give you the premise of the entire like the whole movie it's like
0: well dude that general commander movie that came out like a couple months ago <laughs> i think they show the shot where he kills the bad guy general, i think they show the, the exact name.
1: shot i don't in know which he does it. why is that a funny name general commander it just doesn't make sense because it sounds like a bullshit phrase general <laughs> like, commander. i don't think those words go together
0: in that sequence i hope he never dies honestly just keep uh just keep just a heads up kyle uh he has a new one coming out next month. Oh,
1: outstanding! I can't it's even. It's on the Blu-ray list. I can't even watch his movies. I can just the trailers, all you need, because that's all the Steven Skull you're getting in that movie. By the way, in contemporary mm-hmm, Steven Seagal mm-hmm. movies, that's, that's all every
0: getting. shot, that's every frame,
1: <laughs> every frame he's in the trailer, and that and his only frames are in the trailer. Like that's <laughs> that's it. Uh, so you don't need to watch um, his movies; just watch the trailers.
0: Um, about Percy Rodriguez, though, I wanted to say that. Um, couple quotes here uh directly from the trailer which they do show a few seconds of which was kind of cool um it is as it is as if god created the devil and gave him jaws i was like that is it's that is fucking fucking money man that was that i I took a mental note of that and then see it before you go swimming and i was like fuck yes (laughs) that's how you get asses and seats yeah and kevin smith had the best follow-up though Um, he was like the weed to the crack of jaws. Yeah, as in like the gateway drug to jaws. (laughs) I was
1: like, that's beautiful. I got a, I got a kick out of the directors that they got for this documentary. Mm -hmm. Um, I I mean, this is like M Night Shyamalan. I think around the time that they interviewed him, he's at the height of his powers. Um, Eli Roth, Brian Singer, Eduardo Sanchez. Oh, I didn't look up any of his films or anything he's produced. Um, Robert Rodriguez. Yeah, I don't know him. Dude, he got, like, basically all the, the directors that he got for this are pretty much in the doghouse for the most part. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was kind of funny. He got, Jaws is a, a huge part of, like, who I am as a director and, and, and my technique and, like, trying to implement what Spielberg did with that movie. Eli Roth, I feel, uh, is probably the one that I would like the best out of all those guys, just... I don't know what there's something about him. I don't like all of his movies, but I appreciate him. Eli, yeah, I
0: agree with you wholeheartedly. Um, Eli Roth, I don't think has ever made a truly great film, but all of his films are distinctly his, mm-hmm. and I can appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Like I can identify just without seeing his name attached to it. Just if I was to watch them without knowing that he was involved, it's like there's something weird about this horror movie. I think Eli is involved. I think Eli like, Roth. Something did this. with this. Yeah, I think something with the sense of humor. There's something weird about it. Like Doctor only... Bongo. Yeah. <laughs> my,
1: my only complaint with M Night Shyamalan, besides his bad movies that he definitely has, um, he definitely has movies that I I really really enjoy. But the problem is, is there's very few of them that are rewatchable because it's sure. all it's all sure. built on a twist, and unfortunately that doesn't make a movie very rewatchable. Signs, though, is probably his most rewatchable movie because not much of a twist there. It's just a good movie.
0: I think Unbreakable is my most watchable Shyamalan movie, but Signs is good. It's very good. I watched. Um, Spl- I finally watched uh, Split. Um, yeah. I didn't get to
1: Glass. Split was fine.
0: Neither did I. It yeah, just... is. Yeah, Split. Split's not amazing. It's it's more just like one really 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 good performance and then a movie based around it. It's like you... it's it's missing something, but McAvoy's definitely swinging for the
1: fences. Yeah, he, he's he, he's gonna show up. Um, can you when you put the title for this episode, can you put Jaws documentary slash just general rant about the thing? <laughs>
0: Kyle and Trevor finding excuses to talk about everything I, but the movie they just watched. <laughs> it's, it's
1: not a, it's really in all honesty, it's not a movie. I don't think it's really even much of a documentary. Uh, it it looks like one and it's advertised as one but there's not really much you don't really get too terribly much from it um
0: well the vibe the vibe that i got from it both from the style of narration and even the photography like the i don't know if you'd call it like film stock or the, like the general, general aesthetic of it the way it looks um it feels like something you'd put on cable in between screenings of jaws movies thank you uh like, yeah. It yeah. feels like there should be commercial breaks and it feels like some like you would play five minutes of it at a time and then cut back to Jaws. It'd i feel like it it's almost like watching a Joe Bra Briggs episode of, of a movie or something. I
1: feel like this was in between like this is like the man I watched uh uh The Man in the Iron Mask on HBO or whenever it yeah, I think it was on Stars, uh, or Encore. One of those movie channels and mm-hmm. they'd have like clips with like interviews with leo in between and i'm like i feel like this would be after jaws like in between yeah but this would be like yeah you'd see like 10 minutes 10 uh <laughs> 10 minutes in between it just it has a weird it has a weird feel to it and the music throughout it's just too loud through the whole thing and it doesn't well stop. it feels
0: it feels cheap is the main thing to me it is, is it feels like something produced for television rather than something that was intended to go into film festivals and have like a really strong message or att- doing any sort of like work towards like educating the viewer because i told you off the air like a lot of the finer details about the making of the movie that are mentioned during this documentary it's like how i knew this shit my dad knew that shit like before the internet
1: <laughs> like. so if anybody out there uh, interviews Richard Dreyfuss before he passes away um, if you're just sitting there with him and like finishing up like I just one more thing I want to ask you about uh tribe. <laughs> He's just gonna take the mic off and then get up. Probably. He's like, It's like, you told me nobody was gonna no! bring that up. You, you'll set. I him expressly off. said
0: I would only sit down for this fucking interview if you guys did not bring up that fucking movie.
1: Yes, Bill Murray was an asshole. Like, t-
0: <laughs> it's like, it's like you told me we're
1: only gonna be talking about Mister Holland's Opus. I would want to know about only Mr. Hollins. I'd want to know about another stakeout. I feel like that was uh, it. Yeah, that movie. I hey try- Kyle,
0: guess what's on? Guess what's on the Blu-ray list for August?
1: <sighs> another stakeout, <laughs> dude. Yep. I watched it not too long ago. It does not hold up.
0: Oh, don't tell me that. I, I was obsessed with that movie when I was young. Oh, I
1: loved it. I loved it. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, I loved that movie. Mm-hmm. And Dennis Farina is. He is a gem. He is the best part of that movie. Yeah, he's the him only and, uh, good part of it. Him and Miguel Ferrer, to mm-hmm. me, are they both steal that movie. I, I Dennis about, Farina getting brain freeze? Yeah, him getting brain freeze, eating the ice cream too fast is the funniest fucking thing in that movie. It is pretty
1: great. I was actually thinking about Miguel, Miguel Ferrer today. I was thinking about him in blank check. I had a cigar. I was going to go have a cigar outside, and I just remember him in blank check smoking the cigar and then i thought about Oops. robocop obviously <laughs> oh well, i wanted I, I wanted to mention that to you i wanted to mention there's this this moment in blank check where tone loke and miguel Ferrer, they grab that little nasty redheaded kid and uh, they're like yeah you're coming with us and he's like take he's like like bite me or something and tone loke just grabs him by the ear basically he's like man I don't think that was pro- I don't think that was acting because <laughs> Tone Lokes, Tone Lokes, oh, his, his response is just fantastic. Um, I wanted to mention merchandising. I learned about uh, how much uh, merchandising was attached to this film, and this came out in 1975. You know who took a note of that, uh, Steven Spielberg's uh, buddy, George Lucas. Because it's like
3: oh hey that shark that shark's making a lot of money on t-shirts uh, maybe maybe we should print some t-shirts for Star Wars. Yeah, I'm, d-
1: I'm dead serious. I'm like they probably saw how much money they were making from merchandising and, and he's like ooh. yeah can-
3: I don't I don't think the hot the hot rod shirts are selling very well. Maybe maybe the kids like space. Maybe <laughs> maybe maybe we should print more space toys.
1: The kids <laughs> the kids aren't wearing condoms these days. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna make Star Wars t-shirts and then the kids are gonna wear the Star Wars. T-shirts, and then they're not gonna get laid, so they don't even. They're, they're not the gonna get laid.
3: <laughs> they're not gonna get laid, and maybe, maybe, maybe in their frustration, they'll go out and buy some hot rods, and maybe that'll, maybe that'll sort things out. You know, even maybe if, they'll get everybody back into hot rods.
1: <laughs> even if they don't get the t-shirt, <laughs> even if they don't get a t-shirt, if they get a young lady back to the back to the house and in his bedroom, she'll see his figurines, and oh. She's not gonna have sex with him. Look, I'm,
3: I'm, I'm helping. You know, it's population control. You know, population it's gonna be a control. problem in the future. <laughs> yeah, you know, the environment. It's the '70s. You know, the environment's like a prime concern. We gotta, we gotta like take care of the situation, <laughs> and, and you know, get hot rods. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Two jars next to each other. Jar, jar. Hmm.
3: Oh yeah, that's a great idea. We should we should make him we should make him the star star of episode one because I I have enough foresight that I can I can plan that far ahead. I, I have so many notebooks, Stephen, Steve, Stephen, Stephen.
1: <laughs> uh, the poster I thought was really interesting. I didn't know about the poster. Uh, yeah, that was really cool. That was genuinely cool. So I'm I noticed that uh, did Roger Costell do uh, uh, the original Star Wars? Or the Empire Strikes Back uh, poster? Because I saw it. Um, m-
0: yes. Interesting. Uh, it's, the, it's the one with, I think it's Luke on the Tauntaun. Um, I I think Drew Struzon may have done one, um, but I think Castell did one of them. Oh, yeah. Roger Castell is the artist who. Uh, ac- he basically used the cover of the novel as a prompt, which if you look at the original cover for the novel, it's kind of muted. Like it's. I want to say it's a more realistic rendering of a shark because it's, it's doesn't have its teeth bearing. It's, it's the same image. Mm-hmm. So it's a shark swimming upwards towards a woman who's at the surface of the water. Um, he just like gave it some balls mm-hmm. <laughs> <Not> <laughs> and I guess he'd never balls, drawn a shark yeah. before. Yeah. Um, and he, uh, he went to like the natural history museum. Uh, he asked them if he could take a look at whatever shark exhibits they had. They happened to have some and he, just used one as a reference and created this wonderful rendering that we we all adore to this day and what i thought was funny is that he had a model for the woman um Mm -hmm. who personally i'd barely even my eye doesn't really go there like my eye centers on either the word jaws or on the shark the woman's just kind of there but to see that and like to have it put center frame it's like oh, shit, like, there is detail there. And, and holy shit, he used a model for that, that, what looks like a very tiny figure on the canvas. And uh, he's, he said he had her, like, doing a swimming motion or something, and it I, it didn't take him very long. In fact, he, he stressed that a few times. It's like, yeah, you know, didn't take me that long, made this amazing How? painting.
1: <laughs> How do artists get their models? Do they have an agency they go through, or they just are, like, in the line at McDonald's, and like, would you like to model for me? How do they? How do they acquire? Oh, <laughs> um,
0: I know. I don't know about today in this highly politically correct era. I don't know how mm. common it is for scouts to approach people in public. Uh, I know that used to be a thing that was done, where people would just come out with business cards and be like, "Hey, how you doing? You should take your
1: clothes off for me. <laughs> <laughs> Model for you? But, no, um, I don't want to get my throat slit in your basement. Thank you for asking. Get the fuck away. Get exactly. the fuck away. I don't see. I don't see
0: that working in 2019, Um, but I know that is how business used to be done to some extent. But uh, another fun detail about this, this Roger Castell fellow was that apparently um, this model, uh, he was doing like a, a advertisement. Like I, I think he said like time life or something. So he was using her for an advertisement painting that he was contracted to do. And, with like a half an hour left or something on their session he ha- he said oh i'm also doing this movie poster you mind sticking around a little bit longer <laughs> <laughs> and she was like yeah okay
2: <laughs> so it was,
0: it was very much by happenstance it's like oh she could have just said no but it it came together beautifully it's a yeah. wonderful poster one maybe one of the most iconic images in hollywood history
1: did you know john williams did the theme
0: I did not know that Kyle. Oh my god. John Williams, who's that? Like, yeah, he has he done many Has he done many movies, Kyle? Uh Uh yeah, I think he's done a Maybe few. Maybe a few. Um yeah. I Indiana Jones little, and the King of the Crystal sci-fi. Skull,
1: one of his best. <laughs> uh honestly, I don't remember if he did Schindler's List, but I I do I remember reading something about uh The Composer for that it was a funny little bit from uh schindler's list i guess he was like i don't want to write the symphony for you because you need a better composer and he's like you're right i do but they're all dead <laughs> uh Aww. but I, I i want to say he was
0: involved but the 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 person who gets the most praise for that score is yitzhak perlman hmm. who's a famous uh, violinist very famous like um I've heard some of his other music outside of cinema and stuff. He's excellent, his <laughs> klezmer music, um, but yeah, John Williams did the score. Um, I was kind of surprised they they focused all of their attention in this uh, documentary on on the the theme of the actual shark, that the famous donut 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 donut, donut theme. Yeah. Um, but to me, like it it needed to be said that like top to bottom, the score is amazing. Like every track is amazing. That's how they um, start I,
1: with, I, the, I was going to say, isn't that how they start the documentaries with the, no nah, 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 or is that where they start this? this? I think so. This chapter. I think, it, I think they start the
0: documentary with it, but the point is, um, they mostly just center on the theme of the shark, uh, whenever they're talking about the music, but, um, anyone listening out there that has any interest in film scores, uh, you owe it to yourself to listen to not just that track or not just that part of the score, but the whole fucking thing. Cause it's top to bottom. Just amazing. Um, I like, wanted like the, some of the music that just plays in Amity, like the, uh, like the 4th of July music is, it's so upbeat. It's, it's very, I don't know, welcoming and, and homely. And uh, like some of chief Brody's themes, uh, everybody has their own melody on the boat at the end on the orca and it all like weaves in and out beautifully like uh i think my favorite track on the score is called like uh, man versus beast and it's it's a uh, it starts the moment bruce the shark who we i guess we should talk about um makes his iconic appearance on screen when chief brody's shucking chum into the ocean Mm -hmm. Uh, it starts from there and it plays out when they're shooting barrels onto jaws onto bruce and uh, they start chasing him and stuff and like over that over that like three to four minute piece of music we get like chief brody's theme we get the sharks theme we get Quint's theme we get a bit of uh, hooper's theme it all blends beautifully it's amazing um, but yeah, Bruce the Shark, we really ought to spotlight because uh, that's some of the best parts of the documentary. It's just talking about the logistical concerns with getting this fucking shark to work. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean that's where the title of the movie comes from. It was life size. I mean, that's that cannot be emphasized enough. It was a twenty five foot robot, basically. <laughs> yeah uh, that could be utilized in the water. and we did film a good chunk of this movie on the actual ocean, which, Spielberg is very candid about saying, uh, yeah, that was dumb. <laughs> probably shouldn't have done that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, soundstage may have sufficed, but in some ways it's like it gives the movie a, a look and a feel that probably couldn't have been achieved back then or today um, if it hadn't been actually shot on the ocean. But yeah, this this 25-foot behemoth would break down constantly, <laughs> constantly and force everybody to shoot around it. I guess it was dangerous too. Like it, it didn't move correctly, and maybe was a little herky-jerky with the way it would it moved when you had control of
1: it. I got kind of a kick out of them. Like uh, sh- there was a few outtakes where they just had like the fin going through, and then it would kind of raise up a little bit, and you'd see like the bars and stuff. And I just wanted to get like uh, just little clips of Steven Spielberg. Okay, ready, action. Fuck. Okay. Reset. <laughs> Reset. Okay. Are we ready? Yeah. It takes like it takes like ten minutes for them to get it back over there where it needs to be. Okay. Action. Mm, fuck. <laughs> it just keeps coming up. <laughs> God. <laughs> God. God. damn it. Just. Just somebody. It was probably really frustrating. Like, he probably cried a few nights. Just it won't work. It won't. It won't fix it.
2: <laughs> shark won't shark work. Won't work
0: that's what's funny is like Spielberg I don't think I've ever I don't think I've ever seen an interview with him where he was anything but like like perfectly composed mm-hmm. like he he's always he strikes me as being on a little bit like it does seem like maybe a little bit of an act but I don't know of a better director uh to represent the art of American filmmaking like, he's just so perfect in that role. Yeah. Like, he just has such a perfect, like, sunny atmosphere about him where it's, like, he's very upbeat, he's very positive, but he's clearly insanely talented and, and driven, but he he's so incredibly humble. Like, he's, he. everybody else is patting him on the back throughout this entire documentary, minute to minute, but, like, whenever he's talking in front of the camera, he's, like, not making much of a big deal about it. Patting him on the back...
1: I don't think they were patting him on the back. They were <laughs> jerking m- him off. They were, m- <laughs> they were kissing Blowing him. On- <laughs> I was say. They were hugging. They were hugging him with their mouths. And by him, I mean his penis. Ah, ah. Uh, yes, they were. Uh, to all about
0: to him. quote, uh, yeah, from uh, from was it The Matrix Revolution? She, she wasn't kissing you on your lips. <laughs> 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 lipstick?
3: Lipstick? What? What? what lipstick? <laughs>
1: Gross. Uh yeah, this is uh, uh <laughs> this is a suck fest. I wanted to the, min- go ahead. The, go ahead, Bruce. Uh,
0: I just wanted to say that the thing I want to say about Spielberg is that um we I think we opened this month talking about Hearts of Darkness, right? Uh-huh. And Coppola, we get to see like we get to see him bear, like yeah. we get to see him bear his soul on camera. Not quite to the extent that Martin Sheen did, but but uh, we get to see him frustrated. We get to see him off-kilter. Spielberg though like the way he describes this shoot it doesn't sound easy Mm. like it sounds like it was pretty fucking rough but we don't get to see that we only get to we know that but we don't actually get to see the the curtain pulled back and actually see what that was like minute to minute and I really would have loved to have seen that because like in a lot of ways this movie is kind of a miracle that it actually came
1: together the way it did smoke and mirrors um I think some of it might be about the mood you're trying to capture. Because Spielberg doesn't make heavy films. In my, I mean, don't... I'm sorry. Schindler's List is extraordinarily heavy. It might be one of the the heaviest (laughs) movies of all time. Um, But I know that that was very taxing on him. And I think it took him, like... uh, I think I read it took him, like, an hour after shooting Schindler's List to, like, get into the mode of editing Jurassic Park. Like, he just had to, like, really, like... Like fuck! I was really like anything with shoes was <laughs> really was really bad. Um, but yeah, I, maybe he's just better keeping his composure uh, than Coppola. I think he's just.
0: I think he's more just like a, a guarded personality in some ways. Because mm-hmm. to, to be honest, I don't I don't hear much about his personal life and stuff. And I think it makes for pleasant interviews, but maybe not the most insightful ones. He's got a uh, because. He's got like a child that he takes it out on or something, or he's got like a I mean a gimp. There's there's subtext there's subtext in a lot of his movies that suggests that he's got some issues. He's got Tom um, Hanks in Dad. a closet with a gag in right now. He just works him, works him over.
2: <laughs>
0: no, he probably like accidentally slips up when he's saying, like, Oh hey Tom, it's been years except it comes out Dad <laughs> he's like, Whoa, Steven, whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. Steven. <laughs> Steven. Oh, man, side note. Uh, I always wanted to do, like, if I had all the money in the world, I would do, like, a Saturday Night Live skit or something with Tom Hanks. And it's uh, it's Oscars night. You have a bunch of the Saturday Night Live players uh, up on the stage imitating actors and actresses and stuff, and they're, like, doing the award ceremony, and they're opening the envelope. And then they're doing, like, Best Actor or something. They're they're about to announce the award. And they say, oh,
3: Matthew McConaughey.
0: And then we cut to, like, a shot of Tom Hanks in the crowd. And he's just doing knife hand. Like, no, no, we're not doing that. And then they're like, I mean, uh, Tom Hanks. And he's like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Did you make a movie this year, Tom? No.
1: (laughs) Um, You could probably pitch that, uh, Trevor. Uh, They've been scraping the bottle of the barrel for about a decade now at Saturday Night Live. So you could probably get a full-time writing job if you went ahead and just pitched that real quick.
0: Oh, score.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um I wanted to mention uh, Verna Fields. They they mentioned her briefly. Did she win an Oscar for editing this film because they were, they were handed 3 awards. Um, I can't remember if one of them was for editing. I think it was. It was. Okay. It absolutely was. I think one of them was
0: for the score as well. Obviously. Um, but yeah, she I think I had I don't know much about her to be honest, but yeah. um, I had seen this documentary a long time ago. I forget where, um, but uh, I remember telling you that ahead of had time that um, this this was an editor that Steven Spielberg trusted a lot of his work to for a huge chunk of his career. Um, and there's actually like a, a genuinely interesting little chunk of this documentary where they uh, there's that one scene that they go over where uh, they filmed it in her swimming pool. Yeah, Uh, it was a it was the equivalent of like a reshoot. Uh, So it's the scene where uh, Richard Dreyfuss is underwater diving uh, and they find the gentleman's boat. Yeah. Night diving. Uh, (laughs) Super safe. uh, Matt Hooper, expert night diver. Yeah. Um, And yeah, there's a jump scare and a shark tooth is found. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, If you've seen the movie, which I'm sure you have, uh, you remember it. Anyway, that was filmed in her swimming pool. Uh, And then we get to see some like archival footage of her actually editing the movie and you could you can tell that Spiel, you can tell that Steven Spielberg is in the room like filming her and they're they're talking and I guess they they would just labor over these movies editing
1: them together. Hopefully he wasn't too much of a dick about it. <laughs> Pat uh Patton Oswald had a really funny joke about um directors and uh he was like directors uh are it's kind of like a marriage. Like the editor the editor is the wife and the director is the husband and the husband's just like, I'm getting, I'm just going to get everything. I'm going to, I'm going to get everything together. We're going to, we're going to build something awesome. And he just takes all this stuff stuff. And then the wife comes in and is like, okay, honey, thanks for grabbing all this stuff. Now you go, you go lay down now. And now I'm going to make something coherent out of all this crap that he just put together. And and I don't know when I saw that she was the editor, I'm like, Oh, that's kind of funny. Like, Maybe that's where Pat Noswell got the, the idea. It was like, yeah, he shot all the stuff. He had a vision, but she's the one that actually put together a movie. Uh, and I, this just. Uh, I wanted to learn more about her. I want to know what else she uh, she edited. I'm assuming she's yeah, no longer. Yeah, now that with you us. know her name, yeah, no, she passed. Um, um, I had a uh, feeling. But
0: now that you know her name, though, yeah, it might be worth looking into. Because I mean, ed- being an editor on a film isn't. It, wow, that's that is a.
1: Tricky spot to be in because you basically are making the movie. You're the one making the movie. That's that, that's why yeah. she got an Oscar because like she like he shot the movie and then together more or less they came up with this movie. Like they came up with a film, like an actual story. You're the one that putting. That's putting yeah, it's together It's not the a
0: story. it's not a film until it's been edited. So in a lot of ways, it's like you have all the pressure in the world weighing down
1: on you. Well, not only that, but you have. I'm assuming the director bugging you. You have. Producers bugging you about it, like, and other people that I have no idea in that in that movie hierarchy bugging you about what they want. Uh, it's probably very stressful. And that's maybe that's why nice. she did it. Maybe that's why she did it at her home. Like, uh, I think so. That's interesting. I, so. I didn't even think about that. Like, she's like, no, come to the studio. Like, no, 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 no. I'm going to do it in my house. Don't go on my property. I'm putting together a movie. That's kind of cool. Yeah. I didn't right? think about that. Um, that is cool. <laughs> I wanted to mention we can't. We can't not mention John Melius, uh, but um, oh I, yeah, <laughs> I, <laughs> he came I, back. <laughs> I realized watching this that my favorite parts of this movie of 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 not this not this documentary, but of Jaws is Robert Shaw. His entrance mm-hmm. into the movie in uh, with the with the chalkboard. I mean, that's like it's been parodied a lot. We mention it a lot. Oh yeah, adorable <laughs> uh, eyes. Um, but his the USS Indianapolis story. I had forgotten about uh, this movie. Like I'd forgotten about Jaws until going back fairly recently, about a year ago. Uh, I was like, he's what makes going into the ocean scary for me. Is that story? For me, like that's what does it for me. And I'm like, he's my favorite part of the whole movie. I'm like, yeah, like the the shark effect, like the the shark robot <laughs> is cool but I'm like his story is chilling and it's fucking terrible and I was watching it with my girlfriend uh, and she was like that didn't really happen I'm like uh no this really did happen <laughs> this is an actual story yeah uh, but yeah <laughs> when I heard, so I don't know if it was Steven Pilgrim he said it he's just like yeah John Milius wrote a nine page speech <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> of <course he> did. <laughs>
1: oh
0: man! yeah i'm telling you man that that documentary just called milius you ought to watch it it's a it's pretty amazing um Uh, i've he he popped onto my radar when uh i used to be really into conan the barbarian yeah Um, i read a lot of the comics yeah i read a lot of the comics and of course the arnold movies um but my brother uh I think he was the one that insisted I listen to the director's commentary on Conan the Barbarian. Mm. Um, which at that point in my life, I really wasn't doing. I wasn't really listening to commentaries. But my brother was like, you you need to listen to this. <laughs> and it's, it's John Milius and Arnold Schwarzenegger. And Arnold does not remember the movie. And he sounds a little drunk or a little stoned. <laughs> of course he doesn't remember. And John remember. Milius... Yeah... Uh, Like, all the time, like, John Millius will be just talking up, like,
3: oh, yeah, and then he ascends the mountains, and he draws his sword, and he he fights the barbarian hordes,
0: and it's biblical. It's amazing. And then there's this long pause, and then Arnold just goes,
1: yeah. (laughs) 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 It keeps happening throughout the whole thing. I didn't realize until just now how phallic the ending of uh, Conan the Destroyer is. The, the demon oh, is like a the horn yeah. yeah also yeah he castrates the demon yeah of <laughs> all of all the athletes the athletes they could have cast to be in that movie for a phallic movie they chose wilt the stilts champion <laughs> 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 uh, it's a little on the nose yeah. don't you think um, the man with the reputation ugh, yeah
0: yeah uh,
3: bombata no. <laughs>
0: Um, But, yeah, John Milius is incredible. Um, And, yeah, that speech, I remember my dad would always go, like, silent and be like, shut the, you shut up. Shut up. Like, we're listening that's to a, this. <laughs> like, you, moment, shut, yeah. you shut up. It's yeah. Uh, this is a dad moment. It's excellent. And Robert Shaw was excellent in that role. His um, death. I
2: love that.
0: Oh, one of the best deaths in cinematic history. Absolutely. One of the most chilling. I'd say top it's, ten. It's painful to watch every time. Easily yeah.
1: top Because it's a slow motion guillotine. Like, it's just... You're just watching somebody in agony. It's full. Oh, yeah, it's good. It's real good. Yeah,
0: well, because, like, the the lead up to it. How you get, like, good, good solid five seconds where it's like, he might make it, he might make it, he might make it. He <laughs> doesn't make it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's... Spielberg... That's like Spielberg's, maybe his greatest gift is being able to like fiddle with those nerves. Like he, he's, as far as I know, he hasn't like expressly just made a straight up horror movie before, oh, I would but he has that. a sense for how to get under your skin. Uh, he really has a, a knack for that. And that scene and like the knife scene in Private Ryan and a lot that, of stuff in his filmography oh, man. Dude, really does was,
1: chill you. I have been sitting here thinking about like Steven Spielberg should everybody should have a favorite Steven Spielberg movie and I completely beefed on uh, on <laughs> Saving Private <laughs> you Ryan You forgot Private Ryan? Like, holy shit. I'm like oh my goodness. I forget like Jurassic Park, Schindler's List, Saving Private Ryan. He might be the greatest director of all time. Like not even he, from a money-making probably, standpoint, just just storytelling. Just his movies are that great. If you never he's, heard of him, Steven Spielberg. Look him up. Trending.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he's kind of in a league of his own. Like uh, he's he's a very unique talent. Like he he does things with his movies that I don't know where the inspiration comes from, but he always seems to make it look easy. Uh, it's it, kind of incredible, actually.
1: <laughs> and I, I don't even know what his budget is. Like I, I, I want to go back now and look at what the budget was for Saving Private Ryan. Not even for like for actors. Just like I wonder what the actual production what it cost. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it was fairly low and he would still pump out something that's fantastic. Uh, but I'm I remember like the behind the scenes stuff for that, uh, the uh, beaches of Normandy. Like I remember seeing like, mm-hmm. oh, here's how we did this. We did the squib. I'm sure the word squibs came up at some point. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, but, I think I saw the same feature at Man, I don't know if I'm going to watch Jurassic Park when we get done or if I're, I can't do Saving Private Ryan right now. That's just that's just too much, but there, I'm going to be watching a Spielberg movie in the next 48 hours, I can tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> well, well the thing about Private Ryan I remember the most about the uh,
0: the making of, and I think I just saw like an HBO featurette or something. Was that a uh, a lot of the quote unquote squibs they were using were actually just activated by air pressure? Um, because it would be, f- it wouldn't be feasible to rig up that many explosive devices. So for like, mm-hmm. for certain coordinated shots, they were using traditional squibs. But for a lot of the stuff, like on the beach, apparently it was just air hoses and stuff, because you couldn't afford it. Like you couldn't afford to have technicians running pyrotechnics and stuff, especially when you're shooting all the shit handheld and it's very chaotic. You need to be able to reset and do it again real quick. Um, so that was interesting, and again, that's like a that's an example of like a limitation creating a very interesting
1: scene. You know how your My dad what your dad shushed you whenever Robert Shaw does his USS Indianapolis speech. Um, there's two yeah. scenes that <laughs> shush people for in uh, Saving Private Ryan. Uh, it's Adam Goldberg's death, which is one of the worst movie deaths. Like that is top. I'd say top 10, honestly, because that is painful to watch. Uh, My other shush moment is when Tom Sizemore's characters get shot. I don't know why it's the funniest. Mike! It's one of the f- Mike. funniest things. when he's like, "Mom,
0: all right, I just got the wind knocked out of me." <laughs> uh, uh, no, Hang on, are
1: you talking about when he throws the helmet? When he throws the helmet, that's that's the one. Yeah, <laughs> he's a motherfucker. son of a bitch! <laughs> yeah. Son of a, <laughs> a <laughs> bitch! <laughs> I love it. Oh, tell say what you will about Tom Sizemore. He has his moments. Uh, he oh, has some, he, he he Sergeant has- Horvath. He has one of the funniest scenes, and it's so it's always sunny in Philadelphia history. Like, yeah, he, you sent you sent oh, me that. You sent me that. The one one of the funniest things. <laughs> oh, it's so uncomfortable. It's great. That show's genius. Um, so yeah, it was good. I did have my, my other note here about Robert Shaw. I was like, yeah, I love that he was picking on Richard Dreyfus. I totally get that. Um, but yeah, now 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 that I've kind of like thought about it. Like the way he cut down that speech from nine pages to five and churned out that that chilling little speech i think you're right i think he was going a little bit not necessarily method but he was like pushing and prodding to get him like kind of kind of pissy uh i can't believe that richard drivers couldn't do 20 push-ups though Uh,
0: (laughs) well i i thought i i loved Scheider's commentary on that where he's like richard I don't think you're that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like... That
1: was know? so cold. I'm like, he can't do 20 push-ups? Like, he's an adult man. He can't do 20 push-ups? i yeah. like, can people not do that? I many? can grow like? Girl I know, it's hard, to, it's hard to it's imagine. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not like, that physically fit, but I'm like, 20 push-ups?
3: 20 I mean, is not that much. <laughs> he was
1: like, you can't do 50 push-ups. I'm like, well, shit, I would probably break a sweat trying to do 50 right yeah, now. But. yeah. yeah good ones yeah come on um but yeah um
0: what what always interested me about um the relationship of the characters on the orca the three um brody hooper and quint um is that i always got the sense that like there was like a mutual respect between quint and hooper that i don't know if it actually translated to the actor's relationship to one another but you could, t- I think, what Quint was doing, and I could be totally off base making this assumption. I think what he was doing is that he was, he was reading him as a person and understanding that, in order to, get this person where they need to be to be a successful sailor and you know successfully kill this shark, I need to be a dick because mm-hmm. he will respond to it, because he is a bratty kid. Mm-hmm. He's a bratty rich college kid. And if I'm not hard on him, then I won't get what I need from him. So I I feel like maybe it was forced on Quint's end where it's like he doesn't like him genuinely. But at the same time, he's like amplifying it as a means to an end.
3: Yeah. It's it's, it's just a
0: it's a it's something that like only a wise person could do. It's like, you know, I I know you. It's like I know you better than you know yourself, and it may seem like I'm being unfair to you. I am, <laughs> but guess what? It's guess what it's doing. It's getting you to do things more quickly and better, because you're mad at me, <laughs> and you want to show me who who you are. You know,
1: I had I had my mind blown the other day. I was I've been watching clips from Mad Men. I've never watched the show. I've seen like the first episode, but I was watching a clip where the, they're getting into a, a, a subordinate, and uh, they're like. Listen, Don here. He's a military man. You went through college, but he's still your he's still your superior here. He's your uh, he's your boss. I'm like, wait a minute. There was a time in America where you could just go to the military and that was college, like enlisted. Now we're not even talking about officer. Like, it, I think he was just mm-hmm. enlisted. I'm like, you could just military your way into the into business. Like, whoa! I didn't even know you could do that. You can't do that now. <laughs> No, no, sir. I don't it even doesn't know. work like that anymore. Can you even get a job at Starbucks without a college education? I, I mean, I don't even know anymore. <laughs> uh, in Seattle? Probably yeah, not. probably not <laughs> Not in Seattle. Like, you didn't even go to college? I have a master's. <laughs> I have a master's. Yeah, for real. <laughs> I have a master's. And I live in Rainier Beach, and I work at Starbucks. <laughs> the, that's an inside Shit. joke for Seattle people. Uh, yeah, that's how, that's how poor everybody is in Seattle. So yeah
0: and one thing that this documentary actually does a pretty good job of is uh, covering the the locals at Martha's Vineyard uh, where the the film Jobs was shot Um, they did a really cool thing with the way they shot this film because the shark wasn't working and because the schedule ran way longer than expected uh, apparently the film crew just kind of hung out at the vineyard for much longer than expected and as a result a lot of a lot of the casting was done kind of on the spot, where they just put up like casting calls for the locals and just said, "Hey,
1: you want to be in a movie? Okay." <laughs> just, Send Tommy and Michael down, of of Send Michael down to the harbor. Send Tommy and Michael down to the harbor. F- They're filming a the movie. They're filming a the movie by the harbor.
3: They're making a fucking film. <laughs> <making> a fucking <laughs>
1: film, Judy. Send them down there. Pick me up a six pack of Schlitz. Yes.
2: Go oh,
0: fuck. Some of the some cool of things. the accents in this are indes- are like indecipherable. Like that is not American English. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> um, in particular, the guy who uh, who Robert Shaw hung out with and drew mm-hmm. most of his imp- inspiration for his character from. Uh, I forget the guy's name, but he's in the film. Uh, he's mm-hmm. the gentleman whose corpse they find in the ship that yeah. like, you know they shot in the swimming pool. Some of his scenes in the movie, I don't know if you remember Kyle but it's when they're when the entire like town goes out onto the sea to try to catch the shark. Mm-hmm. And they Spielberg and and his editor Gal they put this in the movie. It's mm-hmm. just like a sustained 10 second shot of him hanging out standing standing at attention while on a speedboat just rambling just saying stuff. <laughs> he's not talking to anyone in particular, but he knows there's a camera running and he's just going. And it's just like, Oh my God, this guy is, this guy is amazing.
2: Oh man. But
0: apparently Robert, Sh- Robert Shaw hung out with him, uh, on the set and after hours and just this guy filled his head full of fishtails. Um, and apparently Robert Shaw bought into it. Nice. <laughs> but Um, the one other noteworthy person, to me anyway, um, is very famously, he's this heavy set fellow with curly hair that uh he's in the scene when Richard Dreyfus first arrives in the film. So uh, Hoopers like hopping around the docks. All the people are like heading out to sea with their rifles and their death charges and stuff. And, uh, he's looking for Chief Brody, and then that's when they catch the Tiger Shark. And mm-hmm. then he's explaining to the locals, "Oh, hey, that's that's not, you know, that's that's a tiger shark." And then that guy turns and looks directly in the camera and says the line. He says, "A what?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the uh, it's just delivered in the most perfect cadence and tone. Like you, you couldn't replicate that. Just a
1: what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I uh, I've heard the. I live on the east coast now and i've heard that um it's uh philly people from philly are the the problem people and i'm just trying to picture like somebody trying to film uh film something in philly we're gonna use the locals and like we're no 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 they'll smack us (laughs) we can't we can't have them on the set um because i got a kick out of spielberg saying that he was on the beach and he's like some lady with a like a thick northeastern accent came over there and just gave me what for about her kid being afraid to swim in the ocean, and uh, yeah, that was a good story. And I'm like, I wonder how, like how far into his career I mean I mean he must have been like, like it must have been shortly after the film, um, hopefully because if it was like '90 Spielberg, I would have been like, can you get her away from me, please? Like, <laughs> I don't yeah, give a shit all- about your Fuck your kid. I don't give a shit if he's a prisoner. <laughs> throw him in there. I don't care. I'm Steven fucking Spielberg. I'm a Jurassic Park motherfucker. He doesn't talk like that, but you, you get what I mean. Like it must have been sure. And maybe he's no, actually a really I sweet mean guy. he'd probably just like pause there, just like put up his hand and be
0: like, ma'am, your Fuck kid's off. seen Jurassic Park, right? He he loved Jurassic Park, right? It's like I, I think we're about even, right? Okay. That's what I
1: thought. I'm going to go back to the beach. If he leaned down, like, let me, you know what? I'm going to calm him down. I'm going to whisper something in his ear. If you don't get the fuck away from me right now, I'm going to throw you in that shark-infested fucking water. (laughs) kid just runs off screaming. (laughs) Tell your mom to fuck off, too. Jeez. Uh, (laughs) Oh, man. But, yeah, I don't know, like, there's there's a difference between, uh, like, being accosted or being like yelled at in public. But when you're getting mom yelled at you, I think you probably stand to attention. You're like, Oh shit. What'd I do? Like, you probably didn't know what to do.
0: Yeah, no. I mean, it sounds like he handled it as best as he could. But the funny part from that was that he said he, he searched himself. He searched his feelings and he couldn't tell the kid that it was
1: safe in the ocean. was <laughs> like, it's not. I just made a movie He's about like, how it's, how really it's not, not, not safe. Did you see the movie? Yeah, mean, yeah, I just I made told the you. The movie. Yeah.
3: <laughs> It's like I,
1: I mean, I, I, I'd like to say you're not gonna get attacked by a shark, but it might happen. That's <laughs> how he should have addressed. It. Like, tell him that it's safe out there. I'm like, ma'am, did you watch the film? Yeah. Well, then why would I tell him that? I made the movie because it's about the scary ocean. <laughs> Jesus, did you, <laughs> did you watch the movie? Uh, no. What he should have done is he
0: should have whispered in the kid's ear, like, did you know there were three more movies? <laughs> <It's like> <laughs> <laughs> more people die. There were more sharks. It's like, and don't bother going to SeaWorld. One gets in there too. <laughs>
1: you ever hear of dr- uh, dinosaurs, you little motherfucker?
0: Uh, Somewhere, someone out there is jerking off to our show right now. I, oh that yes. makes me uncomfortable.
2: <laughs> 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 oh, Jesus. Um, one uh, thing
0: I wanted to bring up. Well, I mean, while we're on the subject, I should probably mention that the lady who played uh, the Kintner mother uh, they have a good interview with her that's pretty cool. Apparently she was like a school teacher or something that uh, had some acting experience and she could improvise, so they asked her to do that role.
1: Uh, I want to say, speaking of jerking off, uh, she says, like, I, how many boys have I slapped have asked me to slap them? I can't even count. Yeah. So I'm like, dude, that is yeah. fucking weird. Uh, I can't imagine yeah. I would meet somebody meet somebody that had like an iconic slap that i would be like hey will you slap me it's really fucking weird um but hey yeah their own. yeah
0: just i'll sign an autograph all day long but i ain't i ain't doing that sorry yeah. <laughs> but yeah she she seemed like kind of a cool lady and she did a bang up job with that scene that's mm. iconic yeah um one one thing i wanted to bring up was the filming of the shark cage um, Ooh, which yeah. was kind of cool to get. That was that was very cool to get some insight into that. Uh, mm-hmm. I will give that to this documentary. So um, the shark cage, of course, uh, in Jaws, is the scene where a hooper goes into the cage because we're getting desperate. I think that was at the point where the orca, their their ship is sinking. Yeah. So it's like, fuck, we got to kill the shark like right fucking now. So he brought a shark cage because, you know, that's what you do. And they, sl- they slap it together. They put him in it. Uh, like just beneath the boat and it's this really tense scene where Richard Drive is being attacked by Bruce the, Bruce the shark while he's trying to jab it with a, a poison dart basically not a good plan Mm-mm. Um, <laughs> so apparently the way this this scene was filmed is kind of cool like really creative uh, this is kind of stuff that this is why you watch documentaries about the, the making of movies Um, so they built a miniature shark cage And a a couple from Australia that apparently had a lot of experience working with wild sharks, like just doing nature photography and stuff, Uh, they took the shark cage out, and the plan was to have a little person in the cage. A little person (laughs) by the name of Carl Rizzo. Uh, So this is a miniature-scale cage, and then a full-size great white shark attacks it. And the the point here is we're trying to make the attacking shark look bigger. Uh, Oh, (laughs) <laughs> so um it just so happened that like right before the little guy gets into the cage and by the way um <sighs> they every everyone involved in the production admits that oh by the way uh, the oxygen tank he had on his back it was too small um but we we probably didn't tell him that, <laughs> because as despite his size as a person, he still consumes the same amount of oxygen, so yeah. it was just a small air tank. There's still um, but just before he's, he's about to set foot in this thing, some
3: fucking shark
0: jumps on top of it and beats the shit out of it and actually drags it to the bottom of the ocean. <laughs>
1: dude and we get this all on film it is incredible to see how they almost killed a little person on the set of jobs yeah he would have died <laughs> and then some die dude <laughs> i saw that and like, <laughs> wait a minute they were gonna put a guy in there they were gonna put a person in there? <laughs> jesus fuck i can't even describe to you like you think that like sharks are kind of like docile and they kind of move slow and move <laughs> kind of sluggish and then occasionally you see them jump out of the water and still it's like wow they jumped out of there really fast but when they get a hold of something they're like a fucking alligator it's like ruh, 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 ruh. <laughs> <laughs> I, if he would have made it through that he would have drowned uh, down at the bottom of the ocean but I don't think he would have made it through that uh, <laughs> no 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 God no. Fuck, no. Wow. Oh no. my god. <laughs> the, was the shark
3: was
0: the shark was on top of the cage and w- was duly pissed about it for sure.
2: Like, I was it was, I was thrashing
0: around. Hard. It it decimated that cage. Ugh. He
3: would have even if it didn't bite him,
1: it would just rolled over on his head and it smashed him. It would have knocked him out. It's a fucking shark. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it was a great
3: it was a full-sized great white shark
0: that destroyed that cage and then some. They must but have That been was drunk. really cool to see.
1: <laughs> what we're going to do is we're going to put a little person I mean person a couple
0: in. a couple of Aussies on the on the ocean.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you got little people. We'll put a little person in the shark cage. It'll be we'll fun. Put a little person in a cage. <laughs> no, it'll be fun. <laughs> oh man. Uh so <laughs> we kind of uh, we kind of winded down here a little bit. I wanted to mention a few things that I thought were fucking stupid. Um, this okay. uh, this town uh, I mean, this is filmed in Martha's Vineyard or just takes place in Martha's Vineyard.
0: Uh, mostly filmed in Martha's Vineyard and <laughs> takes place in the town of Amity. I think it was basically yeah. taking place there.
1: Uh, jaw Fest, man! I saw that. and I'm like, oh, you. <laughs> fucking losers you guys do jaw fest every yeah. year i don't know if it's still going on hopefully not i don't think it's i don't
0: think it's every year
1: yeah shut that shit down dude maybe the 20th anniversary yeah. or something well it's well past the 20th anniversary S- 60th anniversary or something i don't know um yeah i saw i have written down jaw fest who gives a fuck come on it's it, Yeah, yeah I, I get it
0: yeah the last half hour of this documentary may as well just not be there Cause it's just fan Yeah, just yeah. Talking. The, the yeah, boat. It's, it's.
1: It's. That's all it is. Some guy was like, "Yeah, I saw they had the boat." Well, they destroyed the original Orca or something like that, and Spielberg was really upset. Um, that
0: was kind of neat, actually. I like that anecdote where he apparently used to. the The original Orca was apparently on the Universal Studios, and he would go out there to, like, when he was contemplative and stuff. He just use it as like a like an office i guess giant um, and then
1: one day they just smashed it giant <laughs> lizards there's something there mm. maybe one day i'll get there i don't know
0: but yeah <laughs> but apparently they smashed the they you know tore down the boat and uh he he says though that he uh, he kept the steering wheel
1: basically yeah um, but he less grossman cool. he didn't he less grossman that guy like I'm talking scorched earth, motherfucker! Like he laid into him <laughs> with his fat hands. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, that was actually
0: pretty funny. He did say that uh, he he feels bad for whoever was on the other end of the phone when he <laughs> when he first found out about the the boat being gone.
1: Well, that's not, that was that's, pretty funny. Well, that's not something less Grossman would say, but that's fine. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, Spielberg is very he's very.
0: Uh, Poised, I guess. He's he's always very political when he's on camera. It's it's aff. It makes him very affable, but at the same time, it makes me wonder. Like, is that really how he is all the time? Like, I could can see. Can't it. be like.
1: Well, he's. I mean, he's still you know a director. He's still got to run shit. I feel like he. He I there's like a way of speaking with people that's assertive, but it's not aggressive. It's like you're letting them know what you want and what you need, but you're not being a dick about it. I'm assuming he's like that. He's like. I want things done a certain way but I'm not gonna be condescending and I think there's I think there's a difference like you, you I, I have a feeling that yeah, you know, his his set is
0: probably generally pretty pretty friendly like it, it's like the doors open were or the paths for communication are open the lines for communication are open
1: all right everybody I'm a very every group me before we get started on shooting I'm a very generous director I will be patient with you that is fine Um, if anyone has a cell phone on this set, I will set you the fuck on fire. Let's have a great movie, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Set on fire. All right. Um, yeah, <laughs> all the all the super nerds uh, on private property that destroyed the boat. They basically just came and took pieces of it. They were selling pieces of it for a hundred bucks. Like that was insane. They're like uh. selling six inch pieces for a hundred, hundred and fifty bucks on uh on eBay. I'm like, why didn't you just like hide the boat and then fucking sell that shit wholesale? Uh, like twenty years down the road or something.
0: Idiot. Well, I mean, Kyle, like. What there's that famous article the other day about uh, gal, like Lady Bathwater or something, was selling for X
1: number of dollars. Dude, yeah. you got to get on this, man. You got to yeah. like start selling your bathwater, or like start like farting into tidy whities and mailing them to weird people. No, I'm sorry, mailing them to yeah. people. Mail, mailing them to people. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not yeah, here don't, to kink don't don't kink shame Kyle. Kink God shame. damn it. <laughs> yeah, God man. damn it. But they, they, they—I've heard this marketed like anybody can do it. <laughs> it's like you can do it. You can fart in a tiny, whiny mill to this person. Everybody's doing it. It sounds like something from like the Tim and Eric show or something. Oh man, it's—it's. It's <laughs> well, a, it's I mean, a, the the point I'm trying to make though is
0: like—is that real? <laughs> like, is that is that actual used bath water? Is that actually part of the orca, or is that just a? Dirty piece of fiberglass <laughs> <It's authentic. laughs> that you
1: found. It's authentic. Dirty bathwater. <laughs> Don't take it away from them. Okay. Um, but yeah, they put Bruce on the Universal backlot, um, and when I when I saw it, I'm like, oh, that was in Mallrats. And then they show uh, the scene in Mallrats where they get married when Jaws pops out of the water, because that's when he was gonna mm-hmm. that's when he was gonna uh, propose to his girlfriend when Jaws pops out of the water. Yeah, that's right.
0: Um. One thing, like a surprise appearance, uh, at towards the very end of this documentary, and it does sound like we're wrapping up here, um, was Greg Greg Nicotero. Uh, he popped in for a minute, and Tom Savini did as well. Um, two masters of gore, <laughs> um, and I'm those two guys are some of the best interviews you'll ever see in the movie industry. Tom Savini, in particular, is maybe the most enthusiastic person. I've ever seen interviewed. He's who, he's
1: wonderful. Who was the older gentleman who worked on the set? They were talking about him. Um, I'm assuming he's passed away now because he was old in like 1974. But they were saying that he was the one responsible for putting together the uh, for putting together Bruce and making him operate. Um, I didn't catch his name. They oh. mentioned him very briefly, but like he's like the he's like he's just so positive. He was there every day working. He was always like uh, looking at the oh, glass. Bob Maddie. There we go.
0: Bob Maddy, uh I I made special note of his name being dropped because I didn't know but um apparently he worked on 20,000 leagues under the sea. That's what it was. Uh, he made
1: the giant squid.
0: Yeah, and that made me so happy. Like that tickled me in just the right way because that movie's very precious to me. Uh I adore that film. And I have the giant a,
1: squid was my favorite part of it. I'm on a Kirk Douglas kick right now. I just watched um Paths of Glory which I really really like. I I didn't even realize it was Stanley Kubrick, but um, next up is Twenty uh, Thousand Leagues Under the Sea. I'm going through some hunky uh, Kirk Douglas uh, films. I'm working through some stuff, so we
0: should we, sh- we should do an episode on it because it's it's very special to me. I love that movie. Uh,
1: we could um, definitely do some Aquatica if you want to do some Aquatica episodes. Fuck yes, Abyss. Fuck, fuck yes, fucking Abyss. We're d-
0: mm. Okay, we're we're doing both of those. An Aquatica, yeah, Aquatica um, month. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um. Carl Gottlieb is another name that needs to be mentioned um he played the mayor's assistant in the movie and Mm -hmm. he was one of the screenwriters um but the main reason I bring him up is because uh, his book uh, I believe it's like the making of Jaws basically Um, like all the directors they interview for this documentary cite that as like their bible when they first got into filmmaking mm-hmm. um and it makes me kind of want to read that book rather than watch yeah. this documentary <laughs> it was
1: it was eli roth's uh like t- the catcher in the rye like he just like read it so many times and uh obsessed over it yeah i thought that i I'd caught that too i'm like what what are they talking about I'm like treville no i'll ask him <laughs> he's gonna know what they're talking no about. i i i
0: have heard of the book um i've never read it but i've heard of it and like having watched this documentary, if I'm going to take one thing away from it, it's that
3: maybe I should look into reading it. Mm -hmm. Maybe.
0: Maybe. (laughs) But yeah. But yeah. um, I mean, I think I'm about tapped out on this movie. Um, Yeah. I'm tired. Like I said, the last half hour or so is kind of empty. It's just like, yeah, Jaws has a legacy. You may or may not be aware of that already. Um, (laughs) But yeah. uh, Jaws is of course an incredible film. Documentary is Clearly not the most incredible film ever, but, you know, if if you're really into Jaws, maybe you'll get
3: something out of it.
1: Uh, to me, all it did was make me just want to watch Jaws. <laughs> they pitched this. remember Ricky Jay in uh, Boogie Nights when they're filming on, they're using tape? And he's like, no, we just keep filming and filming. we just we just keep going and there's just a bunch of tape. I wonder if that's what it was like why do we need a jaws another Jaws documentary? We just need content more and more just that people just need more and more jaws content. We just keep going. Uh, I feel like they just touched on things that are probably touched on better in uh, the making of Jaws documentary. Um, which I want to watch now. I feel like it would give me some more insight into like the actual const- Like the actual construction of Bruce uh, the complications. What specifically were the problems? Um, I want to know how if Roy Scheider was actually kind of a mediator between uh, Robert Shaw and uh, uh, Richard Dreyfus. Um, I yeah. mean, you get that sense, but um I
0: think a lot of the reason why this came out when it did, and it does feel like it was being compiled years before it was officially released, um, is, I don't know if you caught it, but like just before the credits roll, there's a, like, in loving memory of, mm-hmm.
1: and there are, like, four people that mm-hmm. passed. I was going to say, um, uh, Rodriguez, what's his name? Um, the announcer guy, he was old. Percy Rodriguez. Yeah, he was yeah, old. I think
0: Percy yeah. Rodriguez passed... Um, Mr. Brown, one of he's like, th- I called him like the consummate producer. He's the Ooh. guy with the mustache and the bald head. Oh yes, 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 um, yes, yes. Yeah, he is a fucking producer. <laughs> <laughs> um, he passed. Uh, Peter Benchley died. Roy Scheider died. Like, and yeah. there's a good chunk of this that we didn't talk about. That it's just devoted to Peter Benchley talking about his stuff, which is mostly relating to to nature conservation, because that's, that's a- that was his thing. Uh, not obviously it's not the most important thing to me but it was important to him and I'm guessing the documentarian felt the need to include that because you know the guy fucking died (laughs) yeah Uh, so if you have all those people pass in like a brief period of time it's like you know maybe we need to get this out like now I like it it's only it's only gonna become less and less relevant if more time passes and I think this was like a like a anniversary year or something of some sort most likely yeah, like a thirty-fifth or a forty-fifth or something. Um, but yeah, I uh, I wouldn't recommend it. No, uh, even if you're obsessed with Jaws, uh, I, I love the movie, but I didn't feel that I needed to watch this in any way. Um, but yeah, it sounds like maybe
1: I need to add that book to my reading list. It's a little condescending, I would say, for Jaws enthusiasts. Like, yeah, we already knew all this stuff. We 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 knew this. Why did we need this?
2: We,
0: yeah, like I said, my dad, pre-internet knew half of the factoids that that were imparted to me. And, you know, at the time I thought, oh, that's probably bullshit because, you know, it's coming from my dad. But (laughs) but it's like, oh, no, that was true. Cool. (laughs) But, yeah, uh, that was uh, The Shark is Still Working. Um, And I guess this concludes our Movies About Making Movies Month here at Catching Up on Cinema, which I guess plays directly into August, which you... You, Kyle, were kind enough to hand to me as a, I guess, a pet project. Uh, This will be Anime August, correct? uh, wherein I will be in creative control of all the programming. Mm -hmm. So I will be selecting four Japanese animated films that Kyle will be catching up on. And the significance of that is the fact that Kyle is not terribly well-versed in the world of anime. So the the way I've put these together, I've, I've... I labored over this shit, Kyle. (laughs) I gave myself some fucking stress headaches over this shit. Uh, The way I put together Anime August, uh, I tried to structure it in such a way as to, like, almost like a lesson plan. Um, So each movie (laughs) has a different director with a distinct flavor to them and, like, a different approach to the medium. So this is effectively, like, a very strong introduction to what anime has to offer from... I think, like, 1993 through the present. Uh, So hopefully it works out. Gotcha. All right. Looking forward to it. Okay. All right. Well, uh, thank you for joining us as we caught up on a whole lot of movies about making movies. Um, Correct. Until next week. Yeah.